Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. My personality is not what it was before all of these things started to happen. I'm a different person now. I don't think that's necessarily bad. I think God molds you into a different person. One of my friends said that you're going to be a little sadder and a little wiser. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Welcome to Life Support, where we talk about story and hope and healing. I'm Steve Johnson from Five Stone Media, not your regular host, Pastor Paul, because... Pastor Paul is sitting across the table from me today in the guest chair. We're reversing the chairs, and our host has become the guest. And full disclosure, Paul and I are brothers. Um, But we want Paul to talk about his story today. And he has been a survivor of some tragedies, and we'll break all of that down. But first of all, just... uh, Kind of a summary, he lost his first wife to cancer and was left to raise three kids alone. And then uh, in 2013, he lost a son to homicide, and we'll talk about those experiences today. So, Paul, how does it feel being in that chair? Well, I thought it was a good idea when we planned to do this. <laughs> Now I'm now I'm rethinking it. It's uh, it's it's strange to be over here. It's different because it now it's kind of a hot seat. Um, but I, I want to start diving in. Let's, let's talk about the loss of a spouse because we do talk about trauma on this program. So what were the circumstances surrounding the loss of your wife? Well, uh, Jody was uh, 38 years old. She was healthy, had really never had any issues uh, that required hospitalization or anything like that. We had three children that were anywhere from elementary age to young teenagers, and uh, she began to uh, just experience um, pain uh, in, in her chest, and then they found a lump, and as it so often goes, uh, they, they found breast cancer. And um, from the very beginning, we knew that it was a, uh, a serious uh, form. We knew that it was going to be aggressive. And the doctors were quite hopeful, though, because she had, um, she had you know, um, no other underlying health issues, and she was ready to fight it. So we had a, a good outlook on it, and she actually um, was quite a quite a witness to our church that I was pastoring at the time in those early those early months. And she was very brave. But um, you know, it's a chronic disease, and at the end of the day, it kept coming back and and finally claimed her life. You um, you write about that in this devotional, God is Always With You, 31 Days of Hope and Healing for Grief and Loss. And one of the things you talk about there was um, how your congregation responded to all of that. And, and some of it very well-meaning, um, but some of it was kind of head-scratching at times. But you were on the pastoral staff of a large congregation at the time. So just talk about their response to that with having one of their leaders going through this. It was very hard for everybody. It was very uncomfortable because Jody became sort of this public figure within the church, if you want to use that terminology. Uh, She was used as... um, sermon illustrations. Uh, they 
would um, you know bring her up front and get updates. But all the while, everyone has an idea of how you should treat this. And you know, we were living in Tucson, Arizona at the time. There's a very, very well-known cancer institute in Tucson. So we were comfortable with our doctors. We were comfortable with our situation. But the congregation had all kinds of um, crazy remedies, and uh, I would come in my office and find, you know, medicine ideas sitting on my chair. Um, people wanted us to fly to Germany, you know, to try these trials and all those kind of things. And and then they would say things, you know, that were kind of out of context, but they didn't know what to say. And so you kind of learned to just nod a lot and smile. But it, it became isolating because I didn't want to be in large groups anymore. I didn't really enjoy the Sunday morning experience because I knew I was going to be asked about it. And so I often uh, counsel families that are going through that just to you know, sit down with whoever it is that's sick, come up with basically a company line. This is how we're going to answer these questions. Stick to the story because you just don't have the wherewithal to explain the whole situation to everybody. But again, they meant well. But we've talked so much on this program about the best thing to do sometimes is to just not say anything. The, the, best, the best people that knew exactly what to do would walk by and just touch your arm, you know, give you a little hug on the shoulder, and maybe send you a card, not ask anything of you, but that was a message saying we're with you 100%. So it was, you know, 2,000 people in that church. It felt like we were in a we had to live the whole thing out in a fishbowl. And I think it was especially hard on the kids because I think they felt very, like, uh, pressed in. Um, you know, everybody was worried about them, of course, but I don't know if they knew how to address them very well either. Talking with Pastor Paul, who's the regular host of this program, Life Support. I'm Steve Johnson from Five Stone Media um, in the interviewer role today. But we're talking about some of Paul's life experiences, which really makes him equipped to be a great host for this program because you're very empathetic to the people that you interview on this program. What about uh, what about the staff of your church? How did they respond? How was that? Did they were were they um, did they stand off a little bit, not knowing what to say, or talk about that experience? I think there were some of them that uh, were wise enough to just minister to us without trying to steer us too much. Um, at that point, I had not yet become a uh, a senior pastor, um, and our our lead pastor did frankly just didn't handle it very well. Uh, he was very demanding as far as how we should act, what we should say. Uh, I think he saw it as, you know, representing the church. You know, he, he kind of thrust me in this role of, you know, you need to be representing the church in Christ in, in a particular way, which I didn't really need to hear at that point because I was just trying to get my family through this. And, you know, I had to tell my kids twice that their mother was dying. The first time we thought that she was going to be okay, and I went home and told them she was fine. Then I had to tell him that she was sick again. Then I had to tell him that she was going to die. So his advice didn't really sink in very well. Um, but I say as a whole, it's a, it, the human condition is when you run into suffering, you don't want to um, take a step you shouldn't. And so your natural tendency is to not say anything um, 
or do anything. And then you you kind of run the risk of sending a message to the person that yeah you're in the, you're you're on your own on this one. And so I, I think it varied, but it was a large staff. You know, we had um, you know thirty five administ- you know administrative people, a number of different pastors, and and, and I would say that we felt pretty loved. The staff became a pretty safe place. And I think that's really healthy at times like this. You can kind of go and, and go into the bunker almost, you know, which sounds bad, but that's kind of how you feel. Yeah. And you were um, you were young yourself at the time. You were 40-ish yeah. going through all of that with, with three kids. Talk about um, <clears throat> the relationship with your children through all of that. And I know at one point, you know, you just said you had to go home and tell them. Mm-hmm. And how was it being um, a caregiver uh, to a spouse raising three kids who were, you know, I guess teenagers or almost teenagers at the time and having to be a church leader? I mean, that that's just got to be a load that is almost unbearable. It was difficult. And but here's what happens when you when you're thrust into a long-term situation like that you it becomes a new normal and uh, I think those those of you that have been through this understand what I'm saying you kind of kick it into a gear where all of this abnormality becomes your life and so um, you know I learned how to get up in the middle of the night and and cut pills you know I learned how to get the kids off to school in the morning I learned how to be involved with their schools. Um, I, I learned how to um, juggle my emotions and be able to park them when I was working at the church, and those kinds of things. But it was. But I think the thing that was was, was most difficult was watching my kids grapple with it. They all, uh, all three of them, handled it completely different. They still today handle it completely differently. They. Um, you know, some have adjusted well, some of them have never adjusted. And you have to kind of watch that happen, knowing that God um, is with them. But each time I found out bad news about Jody, I happened to be with a friend of mine um, from my community group in, in Tucson, as God would have it. And he'll figure into the, the Taylor story as well. But each time the doctor called me with terrible news, I was, for some reason, with this guy named Gary. And so Gary could give me a little counsel, but then I had to drive home, and you, you know, you're driving home, and you're thinking, okay, what am I gonna, you know, what am I gonna say? How am I going to tell the kids? And I just went with basic, you know, um, honesty. You know, this is this is what it is. Um, I don't think there was anything I could do to kind of beat around the bush. And actually, when Taylor died later, that was actually good training for me because I had to do the same thing again to a different set of children so it's Uh, weird and and we'll talk more about that next week about taylor's death but right now uh paul johnson is our guest who's normally the host and we're talking about some of the losses that he's experienced in life and and walking through that as a pastor and a church leader uh the loss of his wife jody which was just about 20 years ago i think we're just about already 20 year anniversary yep uh and i'm steve johnson and i'm paul's brother and I just kind of remember, uh, even though we weren't living in the same state, kind of seeing you go through that. And, you know, God God did not forget you. 
mm-hmm. you know. And what was really interesting for me was uh, I was in a profession where I travel a lot, and it just so happened that during that time of, of Jody's sickness, which was a two-year period, I ended up with a lot of business trips to Tucson, which I had never had. And mm-hmm. ironically, you know, we'll talk about your remarriage too. Uh, I, I haven't been back there since on a business trip. But during that time, God just brought me there a lot. And, right. you know, right. so uh, God God does not forget you through all that. But I, I just remember, I know you were hanging on by a thread. You know, yeah, it, it certainly <clears throat> felt like that. And, and one of the side notes that if you, you know, Speaking of what God does through these situations is, you know, um, I had come from being a broadcaster to being a pastor. So I was still doing broadcasting work for the University of Arizona at the time. And so I would travel with these different athletes and coaches and so forth. And so they watched uh, Jody and I walk through this. And they saw um, the pain, but they also, I think, saw Jesus in that walk because you know, Jody and I never wavered on the fact that God is doing something in this. So when it came time for the funeral, I, I was stunned at, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people from the University of Arizona Athletic Department came to the funeral. They heard the gospel clear as can be. Yeah. And that was all part of the process as well. And, you know, I remember getting up in the mornings and I would I would say, you know, Lord, help me just to live my faith out today if you know, but it had to be his strength because I was on a um, on a rope, you know, and it wasn't easy for sure. And there were days that uh, you could feel that pain uh, physically where you just hurt, and especially when you were with your kids and they were trying to work through it with you. Yeah, It's a hard journey yeah. for sure. What was the journey like for Jody, who, by the way, was – a fiery Italian. She was a fiery Italian. She was a she was a fighter, and you know the journey for her. I think was at first it was kind of um, I'm going to beat this because I'm who I am, and then when it started to settle in that it was terminal, and and she knew it was terminal for about a year. Um, she she really handled it with a tremendous amount of grace. Um, she. She was sure of her salvation. She was sure of the fact that eternal life waited for her in heaven. She, um, Her family was not made up of believers, mm-hmm. and so she spent time ministering to her family. Her mother would spend a lot of time at our home and watch uh, Jody live this out in front of them. I mean, there were moments of fear. There were moments of, uh, of sadness. Um, I, I think for a mother of that age— the hardest thing is to leave your kids. Um, she probably was glad to leave me, but uh, leaving your children is a whole other story. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was the hardest thing for her. And she made very sure that before she died, she made videos for them. She wrote letters to them that they would open up in all the key dates of their life, their weddings, their you know their graduations, and um, and so and so Wendy. Um, their stepmom has been really great to honor that and and make sure that they see all these things that Jody did for them. Yeah. I want to I want to quote you from the book here, Paul. You said trauma can be brutal. It scars, it has physical effects, it isolates, it strips away the best part of our personality. It creates anxiety and fear and we feel trapped. 
That's not a very encouraging <laughs> statement right there, but it's true, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. My personality is not what it was before all of these things started to happen. I'm a different person now. I don't think that's necessarily bad. I think God molds you into a different person. One of my friends said that you're going to be a little sadder and a little wiser. Um, and I think what happens is you, it just takes something out of you that, I don't know if you want to call it a spark. I don't know if you want to call it um, a willingness to be reckless and, and, and fun. But whatever it is, your personality does change because it's tiring it is, um, you know, as you as you go through the experience, you do come out the other side, but you you lose something of that energy and your emotional, you know, wherewithal in the middle of that. And I think that's the other thing that's so hard is because your friends want you to be the other person yeah. that you were before, but you can't be because you're not that person. Yeah. And um, so the people that would know me now here in Minnesota would maybe not even recognize that person before Jody got sick. Yeah. Talking with our regular host, Paul Johnson, who's our guest today, sharing his story about the loss of his wife, Jody, and then uh, we'll be talking about the loss of his son, Taylor, as well. Um, the grieving process, Paul, let's talk about that a little bit, and then I, I, I want to get you into uh, some more positive things about meeting your current wife, Wendy, but talk about the grieving process and and how we probably um, are not real good about watching people grieve. We want them to stop grieving and get on with their lives. But just yeah. what was your experience with grieving? Yeah, I think that I, I not only felt that from others, I think I put that pressure on myself too because I had to raise my kids. And so I'm not really honestly even sure I dealt with this very well at first. I think the advantage of having, if there is an advantage to having someone be sick for a long time, is you grieve in the process of them being sick. So you do a lot of that work um, kind of before they pass away, and that leads others to look at you and say, like, well, why aren't you sadder? Why aren't you this or that? There's a lot of judgment that goes along with this uh, from others. I found my situation to be one of like I had to I just I just had to park my own emotions to get my kids through it. I just didn't have any choice. Mm -hmm. um, they they needed to be in school. They needed to have their normal lives. They they were grieving. They you know uh, our youngest son uh, kept running away. You know and that'll keep you up at night. And so I probably didn't deal with it for five or ten years. Really deal with it. But it's a process that never stops either. It keeps going. And so when you think you're over it, then something will happen where you'll, maybe you'll have a regret. Maybe you'll look back and there's a memory that, you know, is really sweet, but it's, it's still kind of raw and you don't even see it coming. And that's what people are going through that have lost people. And one thing I've learned is that it doesn't matter if you've lost a mother who's 95 or a son who's 20 or, you know, whatever the situation is, sometimes we say, oh, they had a long life, and, you know, it hurts. People are grieving, and they're maybe embarrassed to say they're grieving their 95-year-old mother, yeah. but they are. Yeah. And you, and you still grieve when you see how it affects your kids to yeah. this day, 20 years later, right? Yeah, 100%. And that's where you, that's where you kind of talk to God and say, you know, why, why these kids? 
And the why, answer, the why question will not get you anywhere because it really is a matter of faith of believing in God's promises and that God is sovereign and he knows best. But it, it does hurt to see because they don't even realize the gap that's there, but I can see it. Yeah. And there's nothing I can really do except for pray for them. And Yeah. Well, um, and then you eventually, God led you to another wonderful lady named Wendy. Talk about that process. Yeah, that was uh, kind of surprising, actually, because, you know, I wasn't on the lookout for uh, for a woman to marry um, at that point. In fact, uh, you know, as God would have it, I was a singles pastor <laughs> as part of my responsibility. So there were um, women that were kind of going, wow, the like, singles pastor doesn't have, you know, like he's single now. So um, I was kind of running away from that a little bit. But it, it so happened that somebody knew some something, and, and Wendy had worked on the staff with me at the church, but I didn't really know her at all because, again, it was a big church. And we, we met, and she lived in the Pacific Northwest. I lived in Arizona. We did a long-distance dating relationship, which was very expensive. I don't recommend that. Um, <laughs> but it was one of those things where I think Wendy would say that she felt called to to step in and shepherd um, our family uh, she had also been through some heartache. Her husband had abandoned her for another woman, so she was raising a very young child herself. And so we had some commonalities there. But, yeah, God obviously put that together. He It didn't make the pain go away by any stretch of the imagination, but um, that was obviously his plan all along. And, you know, I, I married into a wonderful family of, of, of really great uh, Christian people, and that was certainly a gift from God. Yeah. And and your, well, stepdaughter, Wendy's daughter, Mackenzie, was, what, maybe two? Two or three, time? yeah, two right or, in she there. She was really young when yep. you guys met. Yep. But just watching that relationship and how God can restore yeah. uh, the brokenness in this world. And I want to read a couple of uh, verses that you actually put in in this devotional, God is always with you, 31 Days of Hope and Healing for Grief and Loss. By the way, Paul Johnson, our normal host, is our guest today talking about losses in his life. But Hebrews four fifteen and 16 says, for we, do not, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So he's been through all of this. I mean, uh, you know, loss is horrific. Your losses have been horrific. God lost a son. Yeah. He understands. Willingly. Yeah. And and so I I take a lot of solace in the fact that I can I can sit and before God and basically tell him everything and tell him anything. Um, I'm not afraid to expose my heart to God, uh, you know, as, as much as we can as human beings. Obviously, there's things floating around there that I haven't identified yet that are going to be, you know, repented of someday. But I take, I take great hope in the fact that I can talk to a God who knew all of this before he went to the cross. He died to redeem these situations and these people. Um, he feels the pain. He knows the pain. Jesus went through every kind of... Um, every kind of suffering imaginable, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse. He was naked on the cross. He was spit on. He he would say, yeah, Paul, I get it. 
I know. And I, I think that's a wonderful gift we have as believers. We don't have a God who's far off, who is distant, that we have to find. You know, if we're Christ followers, Jesus lives right inside of us, and so we don't have to go anywhere to find him. He's right there. Yeah. We have about 90 seconds, so I want you to put on your pastor's hat now and talk to the person who's just suffered a tremendous loss of a spouse or a child. And what would you, if you were, if you were counseling them right now, what would you say to them? First, I would say don't give up. There's going to be dark days ahead. You may be experiencing incredible darkness and loneliness right now, but don't give up. Um, realize that God is there with you all of the time. I'm not going to say you should do anything, but if you have the wherewithal, try to read some scripture. Uh, Try to reach out to a friend. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. But here's what I would say is, I will always be here for you. You can always call me. You can always come and talk to me. And honestly, for a pastor, that's why you're a pastor. Mm -hmm. Most pastors love making that offer because that's why we got into this in the first place. Yeah, You have done really well sitting in the guest chair. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. It's it's really uncomfortable. I'll expect the the payment to be in the mail soon. It's really uncomfortable. I know that. But uh, next time we're going to talk about uh, the loss of your son, Taylor, to a homicide and and all the things that uh, have happened in your life since then and, and how how difficult that road has been. Um, and then I want to talk from a pastoral standpoint, too, how, you know, I want you to speak to pastors on, on how, how much do they, how much transparency do they offer their congregation, which is, I know, a struggle for you to kind of figure that out sometimes. So Paul Johnson, our normal host, has been our guest. I'm Steve Johnson, uh, normally just a co-producer of this program, but I happen to be the brother of Paul. Uh, Thank you for listening to Life Support, and join us next time. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.